But yeah, they valued the feedback and realized that it was potentially deteriorating the experience. And obviously that that same mindset can be applied, whether it's hand-cut French fries or the water station that's not being refilled or rude employees or anything else that is part of the guest experience and of course, the employee experience. Welcome to the Attraction Pros Podcast, where we discuss the latest trends and challenges facing the attractions industry today. We chat with some of the top leaders in the field and provide resources that will help develop your career in this great industry. I am Josh Liebman. I am obsessed with the guest experience and helping attractions make that their top priority for success. And I'm Matt Heller. I am passionate about organizational effectiveness, leadership development, and employee engagement. Now sit upright, hold on tight, and get ready for the Attraction Pros Podcast. Hey, Matt, how's it going? It's going fantastically, Josh. How are you? Oh, I am great. So glad to hear that you're not only fantastic, but that things are going fantastically. Always exciting when you turn it into an adverb. <laughs> and that's, that thus concludes my grammar knowledge, I would say, on the, on the Grammar Pros podcast, which this definitely is not. But uh, I, Matt, I've been thinking a lot lately about the word experience and that we've been using the word experience quite a lot lately on the podcast, don't you think? We have. Um, just a few episodes ago, we had Joe Pine, who talked about the experience economy. And it seems like just about everybody talks about the experience in one way or another. They're talking about the guest experience. They might be talking about employee experience. Um, and it really has a lot of different connotations and, and ways that people bring it up in conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And what I think is really interesting is that, uh, you know, we've been doing this podcast for a long time and we've kind of really, I would say, developed kind of what our what our characters are, each of us sort of on the show. And I don't know if we really had this fully defined or intended from the beginning, but you specialize in leadership development, which is about employee engagement and can very much be probably defined as employee experience. And I focus a lot on guest experience. And while there certainly is some overlap in that, there's also a ton that's on the peripheral that doesn't necessarily have to do with each other, or at least one would think. Right. And I think that's the, the one would think part that um, is, is really intriguing to me, because when you think about it, at the end of the day, guests and employees, they're all human beings, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of times what, what happens is, you know, we get into our, for lack of a better term, silo in guest experience or employee experience. And we think, well, we just have to think about this group of people. But there's another group of people, whether it's, you're talking about guests, it's the employees or the other way around, right? That they're still reacting to things in the same way. They're still focused on things. They all have needs. They all have wants. They all have desires. And the more you can tap into that as a guest or as an employee, the better off your business is going to be. So I think there's a lot of similarities and we've kind of weaved this into a couple of conversations that we've had in the past, but I think it's probably time to put a tack in the map and say, now we're going to start talking about it um, in, 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 in real terms and see what, what kind of legs this thing has. So we have this theory that you've got guest experience, you've got employee experience, and that the core elements of achieving success 
in either or both of them very much are the same. So like you mentioned, the silos a couple of minutes ago, this very much is about tearing down those silos and saying, hey, the things that we do to be able to engage employees and foster the company culture, we're able to translate those directly into how we create a phenomenal guest experience. And then the ways that we engage guests and improve guest satisfaction and loyalty and all of that we can take those principles and we can just flip over this to the other side of the same coin and say, we can use that for employee engagement and retention and fostering the company culture. Absolutely. And I think it does come back to experience in both of those cases, right? Um, and I think experience is the next level of engagement. And you, you can go back to Joe Pine's uh, episode and he kind of talks about those levels to get to experience. But in, in my world, when I talk about employee engagement, I think that's an element that creates an experience, but there's so many other things that can go into that experience. And then when you look at, look at it from a guest perspective, it's not just when they come in the gates or not just when they are you know buying a churro. It's everything that goes into that experience, I'll say it again, um, that will determine whether or not they're going to come back, whether or not they're going to um, tell their friends to come back or not. And, you know, you look at it from a, I know we're going to kind of test the hypothesis, but when you look at it from a, from a guest perspective versus a, an employee perspective, you want your employees to say the same things that you want your guests to say, hey, this is a great place to work you know, and, and help recruit their friends, just like you want the guests to say, this is a great place to visit and tell other people to come visit as well. So, you know, those, those parameters and those things that we use to kind of see, are we being successful in those experiences? I think they're closer than we think. Yeah. So I say we test this hypothesis. We bring in some real concrete examples, some of the things that you focus on when you talk about leadership development and employee engagement and, and employee experience. And we could talk about some things that I focus on from guest experience and guest engagement and really toss them back and forth to each other. So I could throw you some guest experience initiatives that I like talking about, and you would use the way that you would solve that from an employee experience standpoint, but solve it from the guest experience. So, and yes, you mentioned we say the word experience a lot. We apologize <laughs> in advance. It's going to come up a lot more in this episode. I wish it wasn't so many syllables. I wish it was just like, exp, you know, <laughs> maybe we could invent that. Maybe we could. <laughs> and then you can throw me some employee experience issues, and I would talk about how I would address them with my guest experience mentality. I think I got it. I think I'm I, ready. I hope so. I hope everyone out there listening has got it. So do you want to start? Do you want to give me an employee experience initiative? And by the way, uh, for everyone out there, we did not rehearse this. We don't know what the other has on their list. Uh, we are to an extent, completely winging it. But hey, that's that's how you test a hypothesis, right? If we prepared too much for it, then you know, then it, it wouldn't be as, as raw and in real time. Exactly, exactly. So yes, I'm happy to throw one your way. So here we go. Attracting talent. Okay. Attracting talent. So when I think about attracting talent from the guest experience standpoint, I'm thinking about attracting guests. So I'm thinking about marketing, so this would translate over to say, these are the outward initiatives that human resources would be taking to attract talent 
to come apply and come work for the business. So if I look at it from the lens of marketing, we want as many guests as possible to consider visiting. I think about it from the standpoint of what is the expectation that we're setting that people could have when they visit so from the attracting talent standpoint, we could say, well, what is the expectation that prospective employees have when they come work here? What is the work environment going to be like? What is my supervisor, my boss going to be like? What are my coworkers going to be like? What types of benefits do I get, whether it's the concrete, you know, health insurance, dental types of benefits, or the perks of working in this phenomenal industry? and making sure that those are up front and center so that people develop a high expectation because that high expectation is going to lead them to be curious, want to learn more, and ultimately apply for that role. Now, one of the challenges of setting a high expectation is that once this prospective employee now hopefully comes and works for you, the challenge is now, well, how do we make sure we meet and we exceed that expectation? So I think in the same way that marketing should be having a lot of conversations with operations to make sure that the expectation is properly set for guests so that you don't ultimately or uh, inadvertently fall below that expectation that perhaps something was promised that isn't able to be delivered, uh, that HR teams should work with all the departments that are hiring to really get a full understanding of what it's like to come work in this role, in this capacity, in this department, and be able to package that in a way that, uh, that shares it in the most exciting way possible, that people would want, to, would want to come and apply for this position, apply for this role. And, uh, and to use the word silo, again, making sure there aren't those silos and it's not just one department who is crafting these job descriptions and job postings, but making sure that there are multiple hands in the pot towards, uh, towards crafting the best expectation that prospective employees can have when attracting talent. Yeah, yeah, ditto. Um, <laughs> so... One of the things that, that you mentioned uh, that I think is really critical, and I'm seeing more and more places do this now, is HR partnering with marketing. Um, I've seen in the past where HR has been trying to do it on their own and trying to, you know, advertise and, and reach people. And, you know, a lot of places, even if they're small, have a, at least a marketing arm or they have a marketing consultant that, that they're working with. And it just makes sense that if you're trying to attract guests and you're using marketing to do that, well, why wouldn't you use marketing to attract your talent and your employees as well? So exactly. uh, I like how you you um, kind of brought those two together. Cool. Excellent. Thank yeah. you. All right. So I think we're one for one. I, yeah. <laughs> I Works so. for me. Yeah. All right. Well, let's keep going. I'm ready. I'm going to throw one to you. And that is personalizing the experience for guests. Personalizing the experience. So just so I understand the assignment. I'm supposed to look at this as how we would do that for our team members and then use that to show how we do it for our guests. Yeah. Got it. Got it. So one of the most important things that anybody has and everybody does have is their name. And when we talk to leaders about personalizing the experience for a team member, so often we say, use their name right? Find out a little bit about them. Find out um, 
you know, what, what their likes are, what their dislikes are, build a little bit of a relationship. And if I look at that from the guest perspective, there's many different ways that you can find out a guest name, if they're a member or a season pass holder or those type of things, or just interacting with them uh, over and over again. Uh, you know, I've, I've been to quite a few places where they say, you know, people know us by name because they come all the time. And then, you know, if, if they know your name because you've got a name tag, right? Which we, which we put on almost every employee, not that our guests are going to wear a name tag, but that starts the conversation that starts the relationship. So when we think about personalizing the experience for an employee and figuring out what they need to succeed, again, it's very similar to a guest. So using their name is critical. I mean, that is, that makes people feel so important. Um, I think the other thing is understanding where that guest is coming from and what they're looking for from the experience just like you would for an employee. So is that guest coming just for thrills, right? Are they a young thrill seeker and all they care about is getting on Millennium Force a hundred times, you know, throughout the day, or are they a family, right? And, you know, it's going to be more important for them to get to the kitty areas or maybe having, having a shaded area. So as you are maybe helping people plan their day, or if you see them, you know, struggling with a, 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 an online map or a paper map or whatever they have, you know, figuring out a little bit about them first so that you can help them in the best way. That really helps personalize the experience for them. And again, it's very similar to what we might do for a team member. Figure out what they need when you're training them on a new, a new location, you know, whether it's you know, running a POS system or folding a t-shirt or cooking a hot dog or whatever it happens to be, figuring out what that team member is gonna need. We do the same thing with a guest figure out what they need, what that small little nucleus of, of people need, and then be able to provide that personalized, um, uh, you know, experience, but also um, guidance on, on the best way to, to, um, to navigate your facility. Awesome. So first I'll just say, I, when I used to consult for luxury hotels and resorts, I, I would count how many times my name was used in the interaction. And if it wasn't used enough, I would say that the experience was not as personalized as it should be. And that is actually like one of the standards with Forbes or AAA. If, if a four-star hotel is trying to go to a five-star hotel, one of the most important things they need to do is personalize the experience by learning and using their guests' names, which by the way, doesn't cost a whole lot of money. In fact, they've pretty much got it all right there. I know in the attractions industry, it's a little bit more challenging because we don't necessarily automatically have that information, but when we can learn that and when we can use their name, uh, it enhances the experience because it's more personal. And the second part is uh, that you talked about is, is about really customizing your interaction for who that guest is in front of you. It's using the awareness that you have uh, of, of the operation of the facility combined with, uh, combined with the guest in front of you of being able to make a customized recommendation for them. And if you're in sales or in ticket sales, that could be a huge revenue generator because you know which upcharge experiences that this guest or this family is going to be able to, to enjoy more than others. So Awesome. Really, really enjoyed that. Cool. Are we two for two? I think so. All right. We're on Are a good streak. Another one, another one for me? Let's do it. All right. So this is one that I talk to a lot of leaders about, and it, it's something that um, almost every organization if they don't struggle with it on some level, they, they are at least aware of how important it is. It's holding people accountable. Okay. All right holding people accountable. 
uh, from a guest standpoint, there's a lot of rules and procedures, and there are a, a lot of guidelines that guests need to take into consider consideration when visiting an attraction. Uh, some new guidelines over the last couple of years, or you know, some of them were temporary and kind of fluctuating. Uh, but part of it had to be about being aware, but also being on the side of the guest uh, when the guest may or may not necessarily have all of the proficiency that you do in order to be accountable for every aspect of what the guest needs to do. So translating that into the employee experience is we want to make sure that employees are held accountable in their jobs, that they take responsibility, they take ownership of it, but perhaps do they have all the same proficiency and background that their leaders do that perhaps does it lead to maybe making assumptions that that employee knows exactly what they need to do, what they need to be held accountable for, or is there more guidance that we can provide them in a non-assumptive manner? Uh, now, if we look at this at various areas of the organizational structure, we could say, okay, well, then the, the leaders definitely need to be held accountable for their teams as well. Translate that to guest experience. I don't know, parents need to be held accountable for the actions of their children or so, or, or their families. Uh, so if we look at, at it from that standpoint to say, well, who is, you could say, here's, here's a frontline employee who uh, maybe they're out of uniform every single day. Well, that employee needs to be accountable for it, but also their leader needs to take accountability and, and take the appropriate disciplinary actions. So that leader, that leader's leader, if they're trying to hold that leader accountable, thinking about it from the guest experience standpoint of the parents who are letting their kids uh, swing from the queue rails and jump the lines and uh, not follow safety procedures or so, of going to the person who has the most influence, so on the guest side being the parent to help their children, or that leader who oversees that employee to say, hey, can we ensure that, yes, it's not you who's doing something wrong, it is your employee who's doing it, of helping that leader bring that employee back up to the standard so they know what is expected from them in the same way we would wanna make sure for example, parents can let their children know what is expected from them when they're visiting the park and never making assumptions. Nice. Whew. Nice. So here, here's what I would, I would kind of add on to that. When you first started off, you were going exactly where I thought you might go as, as in terms of the guest um, perspective, because there are a lot of rules that our guests have to follow, right? And, you know, we make this joke all the time that when, when guests come to the park or come to your facility, you know, what are they doing? They leave their brain in the car and they, they are not looking out for their safety. So we have to do that. So we have to, in some ways, hold them accountable or hold them to the standard of the rules that we have set. And, you know, I, I look, look at masks, right? I mean, that was such a hot button. It was such a, a mess in some cases. But ultimately, when you have people that are doing it right, 
then you're recognizing and rewarding them. And, and that's one of the things that you and I talked about and we advocated for is that like, don't just focus on the people who are doing things wrong, but also take the time to recognize the, the people that are doing it right. And so you can do that with guests. You can absolutely do that with team members. And I think what we have to recognize about accountability is it's not just about when things have gone wrong. That's what we typically think, but we also want to hold people accountable to a standard that they've met and see if we can get them to go a little higher, go a little further, right? So that's also about recognizing when something has gone right, recognizing when someone has gone above the standard and figuring out a way to help them get to the next level, right? And then the other part of that is that the more often that you provide positive reinforcement, the less often you typically have to provide negative reinforcement. And I think that goes with the guests as well as the team members. Awesome. Well said. Yeah, thank you. Cool. Thank you. All, All right. right. So, so we're, we're halfway through already. Three for three? I think so. I hope so. <laughs> well, our, our, our listeners and our viewers will be the judge, right? Exactly. Let exactly. us know if, if, we're, if we're proving our hypothesis. All right. Another guest experience one for you, Matt, would be using feedback to improve the experience. Ooh, using feedback to improve the experience. Something I think you might be a little um, passionate about. So, <laughs> so we get feedback in lots of different ways, right? We as, as leaders uh, of an organization get feedback in lots of different ways and so do, so do business owners. And so when I think about that, first of all, from an employee standpoint, I think about you know, even just observational feedback, right? Looking at what people are doing and are people changing day to day? One of the, I guess, advantages we have with team members versus guests in some cases is that you probably see team members more often. Right. So if you see a team member that is, right, you know, you know, bright eyed and bushy tailed, you know, for three days in a row. And then for some reason, you know, the 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 facial expression is is down and their their mood is different. You can tell that something has changed. Right. And so that's feedback that you can use to go to your team member and, and see what's going on. Ask them, ask them, um, you know, if there's if there's something that that might be getting in the way of them being being the you know the the best team member that they can be that day. And so I think when you look at guest feedback, it really is how you're receiving that, you know, how you are how you're collecting that, but then you got to act on it, right? Just like you would with that team member acting on their feedback that you get, acting on the feedback that you get from the from the guest as well. So when you get feedback from a team member that hey, the reason I'm not doing so well is because of that leader who's not holding other people accountable. If we can go back to our last one, right? Um, that is that is great feedback and great information for the upper leadership team to know that they've got some work to do with, with maybe a mid-level manager who is not holding people accountable. Well, obviously it's the same with our guests. If we're getting feedback that there's something you know, in the park or in the facility that is really taking away from the experience. Maybe it's, it could be as something as simple as a, as a, a water fountain that's not working, or, um, you know, they went to, went to fill their bottle and, and that didn't work, or, you know, the water was dirty or something like that, or the team members were rude. So getting that feedback and then being able to take action on it, I think is really, 
really critical. And again, there's a lot of different ways that we can get that. It could be through surveys. It could be through um, intercept surveys. It could be through mystery shopping. It could be through all kinds of different, different ways that we get that. But I think in both cases, the critical thing is you got to do something about it. You've got to take action so that you can improve the experience. And I'll give you a, a quick anecdote from the employee side is that when we ask, and this is probably true for guests too, you can tell me, uh, when we ask for people's opinion and then they don't see any improvement, they stop wanting to give their opinion. And so that's why not only doing something about it is critical, but also telling them that you did something about it right? Because it could have been a long time ago that they suggested it and they don't remember it or it's not on top of mind or they've got other things going on. They don't remember that they suggested that we put eight more trash cans in this one particular area and boom, here's eight more trash cans. They don't remember that, that maybe that was their suggestion. So, hey, this was a suggestion from our team members. This is what we're doing. Could probably do the same thing with our guests. We listen and we see this all the time, right? We listened. This is what you said you wanted. Here's what it is. So. It, Maybe it's it's twofold, right? Doing something about it, but then also going back to marketing, going back to to you know getting the word out there that we do listen and here's what we did. Yeah, I, I love the communication piece of the action and the importance that that plays to really close the loop to say we you know we got this feedback, the, these complaints, whether they were guest complaints or employee or employee complaints, we did something about it, and we're not going to assume. There's that word again that. People are going to know what exactly we did. So we want to make sure we get that out there to the masses, whether it is to the group of team members or whether we put it, you know, through our, through our marketing uh, and really using, uh, really valuing the feedback that's being provided, whether it's from employees or from guests. And that, that action that is taken from it shows that the feedback is being valued. I'll share a quick anecdote that there's a restaurant really close to me, uh, right down the street, that I, I've been been to many, many times since I uh, since I moved here. Uh, and they have like amazing French fries. They are hand cut. Uh, like they they're just some of the best French fries of of any restaurant around. And I went there once, and I very excitedly ordered French fries and was served like frozen crinkle fries. Like I could have very easily have just gotten this from the grocery store, made it at home yeah. and uh, wasn't too crazy about it, left, left some feedback and then, you know, tried the restaurant a couple, couple more times, but was pretty close to, to writing it off because each time they, they still had those, those crinkle fries. And uh, I called once and I asked about the French fries and they said, yeah, we brought back the hand cut fries. You know, we, we did get a lot of feedback on that. So we decided to bring it back. And I wanted to say, yeah, I know you got a lot of feedback. <laughs> I, I like to take pride that I single-handedly brought back their, uh, their hand-cut French fries. I, but yeah, they valued the feedback and realized that it was potentially deteriorating the experience. And obviously that, that same mindset can be applied, whether it's hand-cut French fries or the water station that's not being refilled or rude employees or anything else that is part of the guest experience. And of course, the employee experience. So, and I think cool. what's really, really critical about that is the mindset of the person getting the feedback, right? Because it's easy for us to say, do something about it, right? And then communicate it. It's easy for us to say, but people have a lot of ownership in their operation, right? And if they see that, you know, they made a decision 
and they're going to they're going to put out crinkle cut fries because, you know, maybe some people suggested it or maybe it's less expensive or maybe it's easier to make or whatever the case may be. And we made this decision and we we think it's the right way to go and we're going to stand by it. And we researched all the different crinkle fry companies and how to get it here and all that kind of stuff. And we're really proud of that decision. And then our guests say they don't like crinkle cut fries. That can be a blow to your ego. Right. So we have to leave ego out of it. Right. We can't assume that we know better than our than our guests or our employees. But I think a lot of times because we have such an ownership of our business and we feel like we do know a lot, which a lot of people do. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of really knowledgeable and really passionate people out there. But at the same time, that's got to be balanced with being able to listen to someone else. Yeah. Uh, and I like to say sometimes it, it comes down to the passion and pride that you have for your business that can get in the way of service recovery especially if it's a guest complaint that you don't agree with or you feel differently from that, then you, you are, we automatically become defensive and we want to talk about why they're so wrong, right? Yeah. That, yeah. that we made the right decision, that this is the, you know, this is the best and that their complaints are invalid, but obviously that doesn't solve anything. Right, right. Awesome. Cool. So I think cool. you have another one for me. Uh, I just gave you using feedback to improve the experience. Oh, Okay, cool. I'll take your third one. All right, good. All right. So my last one is driving loyalty. Driving loyalty. Okay. Talk about this a lot from the guest standpoint. So let's see, uh, let's see how well this transfers over. When I think about guest loyalty, I think about people who are uh, so passionate and such an advocate for the brand, for the, the property, for the facility, for the business that they have some specific characteristics about them that I would say define their loyalty. And I, I would break that down into three main components. One is they come back often. So hopefully they're an annual pass holder, season pass holder, member, or some part of your loyalty program, whatever you have to offer for them. They tell others. So they influence positive word of mouth that ultimately drive people into the business as well. And the third one is that they come to your defense, is that especially in social media age, if you pull up Twitter and you see a, a park or an attraction has tweeted something, you will probably see just, I, I don't know what's up with humanity these days, but it's like every like, hey, here's this wonderful tweet we have for you. And it just comes with just a storm of complaints about something, whether it's related to that or it's not. And if you read the replies to those complaints, it's not necessarily the business. It is the loyal followers who are doing that. So. How do we translate that into employee loyalty? Well, repeat visitation equates to employee retention and longevity. Influencing positive word of mouth equates to referrals, not just for business, but referrals for people to come and work for you because this is such a great work environment. But then the defending one is also really interesting too, because it is employees who will defend the business just as well as guests will as well when something comes up, whether it's on social media or whether you're at a cocktail party or networking event or whatever it is, that sometimes you need to muster that up. So if we look at employee retention, we can look at the costs that, uh, that it takes to hire a new employee compared to the costs of retaining an employee. And I know that there's a lot of studies done both on the guest end and the employee end. And obviously the number is gonna be you know, a little bit different from you know, based on which, which study you're looking at, but the cost to retain a guest 
is usually five to seven times less expensive than the cost of attracting new guests. So bringing that to employee retention, there are similar types of studies that have somewhat similar numbers to say it costs way less, or we could say it costs way more to attract new talent and hire new employees than it does to retain our existing employees. So in a way that a business might invest in the relationship with their guest, the business would invest in the relationship with that employee in the interest of retention. And then we want to make sure that if the employee is satisfied, we want them to sing the praises and share how phenomenal of a workplace this is and get their friends and families and neighbors and coworkers to say, hey, if you're looking for a new job, we're hiring, we're hiring in this capacity. Uh, and that even fosters an, an even better work culture, work environment, because it's coming in from people who are already proven to be satisfied and loyal to the business. And then the third part of, of coming to the defense for the business, I think is can be interesting because what this would mean would be that your employees, no matter where they are on the org chart, their frontline employees uh, should be empowered to use their personal social media uh, for the sake of representing the company, which I, I realize we're dipping our toe into some strange waters right here from a PR and, and communication standpoint. But if we look at it as mirroring the guest experience, if you put that trust and you put that empowerment to the employees, then now you have an extension of your PR team when you need it. Obviously, it needs to be monitored, needs to be controlled, needs to be set up front, perhaps in employee training and orientation, because currently, at least from what I've seen for the last several years, and definitely since social media became a predominant form of communication, Many employers say you can't talk about work on social media. Uh, some employers would say you can't even uh, say that you work here in your Facebook account or Twitter account. I think most of those days are, are behind us now because most people have seen that it is more of a benefit than it is a detriment. But then it is about actually speaking on behalf of, of the company, which I would say, how does, how does that fit in with your mold? of your PR and communications team, because whether you want it to happen or not, to some extent, it's going to. The larger the organization, the more opportunity there is for people to, you know, to, to get on Twitter and say, hey, I, I work here and I can tell you that that isn't the case. Mm -hmm. So looking at employee loyalty from the lens of guest experience and guest loyalty, the ways that you would retain your employees are similar to the ways that you boost repeat visitation with your guests. The way that you get referrals from your employees is the same ways that you influence positive word of mouth from your guests. And the way that you get your employees very much on board with your mission and your strategy and the ability to communicate that is the same way that your most loyal guests will come to your defense when you need it. Absolutely. You, you, you said a Really, a lot of good stuff there, but a couple of things I want to tee off on. Um, first of all, you you mentioned um, investment, right? And you use that word, and I appreciate you using that word because that's a word that I used, or I use very strategically and very purposefully when I'm talking to people about the money that they're spending on their employees, right? Or their money they're they're spending on a loyalty program for guests. It's an investment, right? So many times people think of well, employees cost a lot of money. 
Sure they do, right? But it's an investment in your business. It's an investment in your future. And just that mind shift of going from a cost center to an investment can really change the way you think about how you treat that entity, how you treat your team members, if they're not just, you know, money, you know, going out the window versus I'm investing in them to make them better so that I can make the the whole operation better. Um, You also talked about employees that might go out and, you know, defend your, your business or even be, you know, positive word of mouth. It's happening anyway. It's happening on social media, it's happening off social media. And even before social media, it was happening, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, people would say, you know, you should go work at this place because I'm having a good time. My boss is great. You know, the great benefits, blah, blah, blah. You know, you should go work there. Opposite of that happens as well. Don't ever want to work at this particular place, right? So that's all happening. It's just more permanent and more widespread when you see it in social media. Um, the other thing that that, that kind of... Um, spurred a thought is that there are some people who have the have the thought process that everybody's in marketing right everybody at your facility as an employee they are all marketing for you so if you walk in and that person that's taking a ticket or selling a ticket or the first person you see that maybe is taking a picture or whatever even if they don't work for your company if they're in your uniform and have your name tag you know because some of those are are contractors third part third party uh, partners that's still marketing. How they treat your your guests is marketing. It's it's also it's it's sharing with them how you're going to how they're going to experience the day. So part of that is you know being being a balance of you know the fewer people that people might see, the more and more we have to be cognizant of how how impressionable or how influential those people are, right? So if you see a hundred people during the day and one or two or three or four are, you know, not so great, you might kind of slough it off. But if you only see 10 people and two or three are are not so great, that's going to make more of an impression. Mm. Excellent. Well said. Well said. I love that the mindset of every employee is marketing because every guest is marketing. So I I think this one, I mean, that, that it really hits both sides equally. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. All right. One more final one for you. Yay. Surprise and delight. Woo. Yeah. No, this is a good one. This is a good one. Um, And honestly, it's something I don't think we talk about enough when it comes to our team members. Um, We talk about recognition, no doubt about it. We talk about obviously discipline as we have to, but I don't know that we are in the mindset of surprising and delighting our team members as much as we could. Now, there are some that do it and and some that do it very well. But what I think we could be doing better is, again, thinking about our team members as investments and what would you want to do with that investment? You want to keep that investment motivated. You want to keep that investment performing at a high level. Well, one of the ways to do that is to, you know, kind of break things up a little bit, surprise them, delight them with something that they've never seen before. I mean, it could be something as simple from an employee standpoint of when it's really, really hot, you're bringing water around to people, right? You don't, they don't have to wait for their break. You, you're bringing the water out to them. That could be a nice way to surprise and delight. So I think about the, the guests in that perspective. And while I'm, I'm not as 
not as involved a lot of times in, in how people are treating the guest as an end user. I do know that people talk about surprise and delight quite a bit from, from that standpoint, because why? We want people to know that something fun is happening and, and that, that there's some, some, something memorable that they're going to take away. And, you know, if you, if you get them out of a routine, it actually puts them in a different mindset and, Ooh, what, what else is going to happen? Right. And so you get them to anticipate a little bit more. So I think the things that we do for guests, you know, whether maybe bring them some water on a hot day or something, or, or, um, you know, uh, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I'm sure there's a bazillion um, examples of surprising and delighting, but just taking people out of their, their normal routine, putting somebody on a, on a ride, right? You know, going up to a family and saying, hey, you're our, you know, family of the day and you get to go on the front of every ride today, right? That's a surprise that would probably delight them or, you know, doing something for their children. You know, maybe it's a, it's a prize from the, from the games area or, you know, something of that nature where, where we're, we're doing something that's a little out of the ordinary. And I think those kind of things, the out of the ordinary is a mindset that we need to adopt a little bit more on the employee side. So when we think about it from the guest standpoint, you know, we've got all these guests. And if we think about, okay, we're going to do 10 surprise and delights today, you know, just to put a, a number on it. So we have something to measure. Well, then you're actually looking for it, right? You're actually going out and saying, this is what I'm going to do. Same thing with, with, employees, right? Are we looking for ways to surprise and delight our employees or are we walking around our operation just making sure everything is running smoothly so that there's nothing for us to react to? There's two very different methodologies there. Yeah, uh, 100%. I love the examples you shared and, and agreed that there probably are more opportunities that aren't taken to surprise and delight employees, or at least it's not talked about as much. So that I would think would be a, a conversation I would love to have for anyone out there who's who's listening, who's watching this, who uh, who loves doing this and has some great examples. Please share them with us. Uh, I, I can't help but think about Ted Lasso right now. Have you had a chance to watch it yet? I think I've watched like the first episode and a half. Okay. <laughs> See, I, I just kept thinking of you the whole time. Okay. I was like, Matt is Ted Lasso for the most part. You know, you've got just like that, like he he's just... He, he just loves his employees and his team members. And, uh, and there's this one episode in the first, uh, in the first few episodes of season one, he brings out this birthday cake for this one player's birthday. And I'm like, wow, he's surprised and delighting. Yeah. That, that team member, that employer in, the, in this case, in the, you know, the soccer player or football player, I guess I should say. Uh, and that there probably are a lot of ways that when we think about it from the guest standpoint of how are we going to surprise and delight our guests? What can we do to make sure that we are also Surprise and delighting, surprising and delighting our employees. <laughs> Depends if you look at it as one category or each separate words there. <laughs> right, right. Now, I what I did see about Ted Lasso, though, is he doesn't like tea, does he? He uh, he does not. I think like, he, yeah, I know you do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he thinks it's pretty disgusting. So yes, it was um, a brown dirty water or something like yeah. that. I, don't know. <laughs> I do remember that part. I do remember that part. So. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree that thinking about surprising and delighting our team members uh, is something we could probably, you know, focus more on, talk more about, especially right now as we are in um, a, a, an area of staffing challenges. I will just put it that way and, and to put it lightly in, in, in many cases. Um, the more you can show how appreciative you are for the people being there and the hard work they're doing, whether it's 
formal recognition or if it's a, a surprise and delight, um, it's a thank you, a sincere, well-timed thank you. Whatever it is to do for your employees, I think is is critical. And if we take that on the on the guest side of the coin, probably the same thing, right? Showing your guests how much you appreciate them coming back. If I remember correctly, that's one of the things that you advocated for when the when places were reopening, right? When those first guests come in, you were like, thank them. Let them know how much you appreciate them because they're the ones that are that are you know getting the ball rolling to, for you to be you know to be back in business. So um, you know I think thanking people, guests or employees is critical. Yeah, and those employees being there are just as critical to to getting the business back in business. So I I, I very much believe that it it hits both sides of the same coin absolutely equally. So yeah. So how do you think we did? We we tested three categories from from both sides from yep. three guest experience and three employee experience uh, i think this went pretty well what about you i do too i i would be really interested to continue this conversation and i know we're going to have a chance to do that in in many many ways coming up um but what i think is really fascinating again i think i said this in the beginning is that you know we're, we're all dealing with human beings mm -hmm. right so if a guest if if something spurs loyalty in a guest that same idea is going to spur loyalty in a team member. You may have to tweak it a little bit because there's a different relationship and you're paying your team members to be there. You're investing in them to be there. Um, and guests, you you have to you know pay for advertising and marketing for them to, to come in. But at the same time, you know, they're they're all human beings. And so the same things that are going to drive loyalty are going to um, uh, drive loyalty for employees and and for guests. And, you know, one thing we didn't talk about that I'm sure we could spend a whole podcast on is resolving conflict, right? Mm -hmm. Because we resolve conflict with team members. We have to resolve conflict with guests. Isn't it kind of similar, right? You think about what the, what the situation is. You want to listen to people. You want to make sure that you're apologizing and thanking and acknowledging what's going on. It's all about the emotion. And so you have that same situation with employees as you do with guests. So um, I'm looking forward to exploring this even more uh, in the coming weeks and months and years and seeing how many more synergies there are. I think we could just do an entire episode on resolving conflict, if not <laughs> even more than that and touching it from both ends right there. But uh, no, I, I think that was a, a great uh, just summary of everything we've talked about. I, I think a great note to end on. Really curious uh, what the rest of the industry thinks about this, or if you've been thinking about it this way all along, we want to hear your feedback. Please let us know. You can shoot us an email, find us on the socials. Uh, and, and we definitely, uh, we don't just want to keep this conversation going. We're definitely going to keep this conversation going in, in some way, shape or form. But in the meantime, thanks so much for listening, for watching. And just remember that we are all attraction pros. Thanks for listening to the Attraction Pros podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you can tune in when new episodes release. And even better, please leave us a review on iTunes. For more information, visit attractionpros.com.